All right, well, the nice weather is here for sure. It's been a great day as far as that's concerned. And the patio is open at Harbor 60. But, you know, uh, it's also coming to be the hockey season just around the bend. Leafs big winners last night in Lucan outside of London. 4-1, to one, they beat the Ottawa Senators. Two goals to virus. It's, you know, getting everybody giddy for the home opener. They're back in Ottawa tonight, by the way. It's uh, all preseason. But October 3rd, Wednesday night, Habs in town. And it's going to be, well, chaos down there at the Scotiabank Arena. Right across the street at the Harbor 60 Steakhouse, the finest in the land, I do say so. Uh, You can have the best time of your life combining that with the hockey game or this weekend. Bruno Mars and special guest Sierra in town. Two nights, part of their 24K Magic World Tour. A week from now, it's Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, Elton John on his farewell Goodbye Yellow Brick Road Tour. He was in town buying some discs. I saw that in the paper earlier today. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. Did anybody see the Emmys, by the way, the other night? The two guys who were presenting from uh, This Is Us, you know, the father to the son. It was a dad's jokes, and they were saying, uh, one of them was, do you hear about the restaurant on the moon? Food's not bad, but no atmosphere. And I was thinking, you know, that's the thing about Harbor 60. It's got all the atmosphere in the world. Before the game, after the game, concerts, whatever. You just combine everything, and you're going to have the time of your life at age 60, which is, of course, in the iconic and historic Toronto Harbor Commission building just across the street from the uh, formerly Air Canada Centre, but it's now the Scotiabank Centre. All right, let's talk a little bit about finance here. Gentlemen, Ernie Eves, John Turley-Ewart, I've got to ask because I'm kind of unclear how the government is uh, to play a hand in this. It's the securities industry. Johnny, that's right in your wheelhouse, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. But uh, the regulator, the OSC, they're suggesting that uh, some of these mutual funds, about a fifth of the mutual funds that are traded or sold in Canada, involve these back-end loads. So they're cheaper to get into. You don't pay your fees up front, but you're sort of tied into the fund for like seven years. And if you want to withdraw and you need your money, you'd be penalized, as I understand it. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. And the regulator says they want to stop this, but the government, Vic Fideli, made the announcement, I guess it was earlier in the week, uh, that Ontario's open for business and this should be allowed to continue. So uh, the government wants to slap the regulator down. Do I have it about right? Uh, well, I wouldn't say the government's slapping down the regulator. What I think the government's doing is saying, you know, we have a market for various financial products and those products are suitable to specific investors. Why would we want to limit the options for products? So what a back-end fund does is it allows you to avoid front-end fees. Uh, now, my understanding is for most of the fees uh, that are back-end, you can withdraw the money at any time, but you're going to have a higher fee the sooner you take it out. The idea is that's a long-term investment strategy, uh, and folks should work out what their investment strategy is with their financial advisor to determine what products are best suited for them. Now, that's that, I would say, in a free market is the way it should work, and I think in some cases you'll have regulators want to step in to protect the consumer. I think the best protection for the consumer is to ensure they get the best advice and to shop around, get the correct uh, financial advisor, uh, and one that actually takes your needs into account. Ernie, uh, so this is a case where it looks like the regulator, and this was, I guess, done with Kathleen Wynne in power, they uh, wanted to bring in a system that arguably protected the consumer, and uh, yet, you know, the idea that this would make it a more competitive environment where you can have more options, as John just said, this is the government, Vic Fideli, suggesting that that's why uh, they want to ensure these companies that offer the, you know, the back-end loads, those kinds of fees... Where do you stand on this? you think the government has a, a role to play in this? Well, it does, 
I mean, there's a reason why we have, we have an Ontario Securities Commission. And, of course, we have securities commissions across the country. Um, I was part of the group when I was finance minister who wanted to have a national securities commission, which makes sense to me. But we could never get there because the then federal government and to their not to pick on them. It wasn't just the Paul Martin era. Any federal government of any political stripe has never had the intestinal courage to develop a national securities commission that recognizes that the province of Ontario represents, I think it's about 90% of the investment in the country. And the way they were approaching it, they wanted everybody, every province would have the same number of people on the national securities commission. So, PEI would have the same number of people as Ontario, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever when you have ni over 90% of the investment right here in, in this particular province. So that's never gone anywhere. So as a sop to that, we now have something called the, uh, the, the Securities Association, Canadian Securities Association, who are representatives from all the provinces, and they're the ones who came up with the recommendation you're talking about, there's representative or representatives, I presume, from the Ontario Securities Commission on that body, and they're the ones who came up with this. Look, I'm all in favor of there being as much choice as possible. As long as, you know, the things are explained to people and they understand what they're getting into, uh, then if they want to take it out earlier than they agreed to, uh, then they have to pay the penalty. I mean, that's an open and free market that's a choice they made. They chose to put it into a fund that was there for seven years. So the regular... It's not unlike a Canada savings bond when you cashed it out early. This is very simplistic comparison, but you cashed it out early. As I recall from my university student days, you had to pay a penalty for doing that. Well, yeah, it tends to suggest that people who are buying mutual funds or through whomever and these uh, salespeople that you know, may be misleading them or they're somewhat uh, laboring under this delusion that everything is without risk and uh, so on and so forth. So, But that's a different issue, John. That's about um, poor financial advice as opposed to the products. Because, for example, there's more choice today than you've ever had before with the ETFs and robo-investing. Uh, I mean, consumers have so many choices now, but it's just actually, actually phenomenal what you can do. And the fact is, is what, what's most important is having the correct financial advisor. And, and one of the people, one of the, the arguments to do that, or to find the best ones, are ones who you pay a fee to rather than people who take their money from fees on mutual funds and so forth. A flat fee is generally what I'm talking well, here. and this was one of the arguments that uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission said, like, uh, if people are buy into these funds and they have to keep their money parked there for seven years, they bought a mutual fund with a back-end load. And right. they get penalized if they p bring it out early. So they're reluctant to actually, well, it's uh, the people who are managing the fund figure, well, I've got his money captive for seven years. I don't really have to work on it. Uh, we don't have to, uh, you know. Do I see that. I don't believe that. I, I think any mutual fund manager, um, every year, every quarter, you're looking at what your returns are. And depending on the strategy of the particular fund, you have targets that you want to meet. Let's say that you're trying to beat the S&P uh, 60. Every quarter, you're looking at where do I stand in relation to that? Uh, where, do, where do I stand a year from now? Because the fact is, is that after seven years, if you haven't made money uh, and, and beat the market, and it's hard to do that, but at least match the market, people are going to wonder, why are we paying you any money? 
Well, but you've seen or heard the ads where uh, somebody there, the woman is challenging the guy, the mutual fund salesman there saying, you know, uh, how come my fees are so high? Who's making the money? You're making the money. So here's the problems with those. I'm glad you raised that. Here's the problem with those ads, because those ads often are promoting self-investing versus mutual fund investing. So with mutual fund investing, what happens is you're paying the mutual fund investment professional to invest the money for you. When you want to go on, do it on your own, and you don't pay any fees, you have to have the knowledge to know what stocks to buy, what bonds to buy, when to sell them, when to hold them. And that's a different game altogether. And that's not really explained in some of those commercials. Okay. So they make it seem really just like uh, the rapacious uh, representative from the mutual fund company is taking you there and uh, that they don't give you the other side of the equation. Exactly. Okay. But there are, but there are, you know, I would agree with almost everything John has said, except there are people that take care of your money that charge you so much per transaction and the oh, more absolutely. transactions they can they can suck you out, out of you the more fees they get. So if they do 30 transactions a month instead of just three, you're going to pay 30 times as opposed to three times. And I think there's some of that that goes on in the industry. And quite frankly, the industry should be cleaning that up on its own because if it doesn't, at the end of the day, people start screaming to the Ontario Securities Commission or the government, and you have to step in and do something about it. But consumers it. need to protect themselves as well. And yes, we need that's to do true. A, we need to do a lot more financial education in our schools to help people understand all of this, and I don't see that happening. But there are a lot of people that aren't that sophisticated when it comes to investments and stuff. Right. I mean, well, yeah, they just a, take a, the... lot, a lot of employees, for example, that invest through, the, through a major company that they happen to have worked for for 10 or 20 years. I'm sure they have no clue mm-hmm. what their pension fund is invested in how it's done, what the different sectors are, what the breakdown is. I mean, so you have to, you know, if some individual tries to do that on their own without the proper advice, they're going to be in deep doo-doo. They're going to get skinned. Uh, all right. <laughs> Unless you're a teacher, you're always confident something is going right. The trajectory is just Well, the teacher's up. pension fund, there's no tag days. No, no, not at all. Uh, what is it now? Worth about 150 bill? I would think so. Okay. Uh, let's come back. i got a few other things I have to address, including the crossing of the floor by Leona Alislev the other day, and what does that signal? With John Turley-Ewart, Ernie Eves, Oakley Show continues at Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.